Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. With every conversation, we hope to inspire as many as possible to keep on Dungeon Mastering. And I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Jote Moniac. And if there was anyone in the TTRPG space that I think deserves the aka more than me, it is none other than our special co-host today. Which I'll let them introduce themselves because every episode that they are on of their own podcast, they give themselves an AKA from someone else. <laughs> Hello, my name is Jeremy Cobb. Uh, but I guess for the for this for the purposes of this episode, you can call me your guest co-host uh, for Dungeon Master's Block. I'm delighted to be here. I've been on the show I think twice now. Mm -hmm. Once with my show Three Black Halflings, and once just independently talking about the Durgar or. As Baldur's Gate 3 has finally said, I've played, because they show up in the game, yep. small spoiler, they they pronounce it the way that I always did, Dwergar. Uh, so thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Uh, and I'm really excited to talk to Bex today about a topic that, honestly, I wish that I'd had I, an opportunity to engage with more throughout the years. Yeah, it's and it's one of those things where it's like, as long in the tooth as the podcast has become, deciding what topics to talk about becomes difficult. There are some that that are like lower hanging fruit, but often will insider baseball will leave those typically for a guest that isn't quite sure what topic they would like to talk about, but we're really mm. interested in having them on. We'll typically leave our divine spotlight for looking at a deity from there or our ancestral analysis. We're looking at a species or looking at a class that we haven't done yet or raw real monsters, uh, skirting copyright issues with ah real monsters ever so closely, um, but having, <laughs> having those, um, but often finding ones that really stick out and yeah having a discussion about something that in hindsight like you said we all engage with the local gaming store um and having bex on who is a a owner of a game store and kind of looking behind the scenes of how in my personal opinion a absolutely amazing one can be ran um and yeah I think to better better equip each listener to be a better patron into stores as well as learning as much as we can kind of about the process yeah, uh, Bex is the co-owner of Roll It, uh, a gaming store in Scarborough in the UK. Uh, and honestly, I I haven't been in England in a while, but this makes me want to go back just so I can visit the store. It sounds like such an awesome time. Yeah, perfect. Well, and then for our patrons, um, as described last time, there are currently two samplers for two APs that we have available. Um, and since they're both a, a mountain of work to edit, I figured I would ask you, the patrons, what you would like to see me edit uh, more because I'm not going to edit them both until um, we run out of one and then I'll edit the other one. But yeah, if you head over there, there'll be a, a link still in the show notes. And I was smart enough to actually make the post public rather than patrons only. So anybody can go check that out um, and kind of listen to two samples. One, everyone is playing a monstrous character inside of Undermountain, and the other is a world built specifically where you travel to the moon and then the entire world sets on fire behind you and you have no access to it anymore. Oh no! So those are your those are your elevator pitches, but there's about 10 to 15 minutes of each of those, kind of the session ones, um, so if you go check those out. But with that, let's head to the meat! I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we 
we have some meat? Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. So today for the meet, we have a special guest, a special returning guest, but we can get more into why that's true later. But we have Bex, a.k.a. Reagan Lee Ray, a horror writer, TTRPG creator, and key for this conversation, an FLGS owner. Bex, thanks for coming on. And I have to say thanks for coming on again, despite the <laughs> listeners hearing you for the first time. <laughs> well, thank you for inviting me again. This is now my second time on a podcast. <laughs> 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 both, both times on this specific podcast yeah, about this yeah. very specific uh topic but <laughs> yes uh bex you should be an old pro at hand a- answering this question because you've already answered it on this very show can you tell us a little bit about yourself uh yeah so i'm bex i live in scarborough which is a little seaside town in the uk um and i run a hobby store with my partner darren um i also write historical horror um i create games um and i also like baking which is completely irrelevant to gaming but something i also love i immediately my interest is piqued by so many things that you mentioned first of all i want to highlight because i'm uh i didn't mention this before the interview bex but i am a dual citizen british and american and i have actually i actually lived in the uk for basically the last eight years so the the pronunci- the British pronunciation of Scarborough, which is, I guess, the correct pronunciation for the place in Britain, differs so strongly from the way that Americans would naturally pronounce it. I, I have to, I'm forced to comment. Sorry, one of our customers um, moved from Texas. Oh, really? Um, and we, we always find it really funny, like how, yeah, so we always have <laughs> a joke Scarborough. about how he pronounces it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's. Yeah, that's that's some quality because I, as has been told to me before, one of the things that is referred to as like the California accent is often just a lot of pronunciation, overly so. Like there, you know, you're gonna overpronounce a word. Like every letter is gonna get its it is gonna get its due. Um, whereas, yeah, Texas, Texas has a lot more fun. Pronu- oh my, I would I would want to travel with that person. <laughs> What I'm wondering is when you sing the song Scarborough Fair, do you pronounce three syllables or do you do two? Because in, in in American English, we'll be like, are you going to Scarborough Fair? But does do do I've never heard a British person sing the song. <laughs> it's Scarborough. So it's still three syllables, just slightly okay. different <laughs> syllables. <laughs> All right. That's fair. Yeah. So it's Scarborough Fair. OK, yeah, I'm with you now. And do you know there actually is still to this day a Scarborough Fair? Really? It's it's a fun fair now, yeah, yeah, with all the rides and everything. And it actually, when it comes every year, it's at the end of our street where we live, literally at the end of our road. Oh, that's so cool. But there you go. We can't get much more Scarborough than where we are right that now. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, we'll jump right into the next one. Is there anything that you're currently working on and as we are required to do uh, that you can tell us about? uh yeah there is i am currently working on my second uh roleplay game which is working title is uncanny valley and it's all about androids and their mission working for the mainframe to bring about the singularity and trying to stay incognito in in human society and and the kind of like problems they encounter whilst doing so so it's it's kind of quite dark, but it's also quite tongue-in-cheek. It's not a darkly serious role-play game. 
So that one's coming on really well. We're at the playtest stage for that now. So that's always fun. That um, sounds super cool. And I've got a couple of other like long-term projects going as well. So can I can I ask? I'm really curious. So the androids are bringing about the singularity, which to me implies that they are not a hundred percent like people, quote unquote, yet, right? Is that am I interpreting that correctly? That mm -hmm. they're trying to they're you androids. Are, yeah. Yeah, so they recognize that they are not yet fully people and are trying to create conditions under which either they or future machines could be considered, like, sapient people? They are absolutely aware that they are not human, nor, nor do they want to be human. Um, they mm. believe humans to be very illogical, far too emotional. Mm. Um, they believe they are much better place to, to kind of be in charge of everything because they're far more sensible with decision making. Um, so they're basically trying to sort of reset the world, as it were, to become uh, an environment that's better suited to that kind of logical lack of emotion existence where it's just all about being productive and, and you know, and feelings aren't taken into consideration to get in the way of things well and then <laughs> title wise i assume it's we'll jump into the topic soon enough don't you worry dear listener but we have questions that we need answers to but so is i assume <laughs> the title is a play on the idea that like they don't actually want to cross that valley because they don't actually want to be human so it's like the closest you could be without actually being human is to remain in that uncanny, uncanny valley, which is the term most commonly used when you see a CG person with typically their lips and their eyes um, when you're watching some, you know, some part of media. That's often what's referred to as the uncanny valley. That's a sick title. It's cool, right? I always yeah. love the phenomena of uncanny valley. I always knew I was going to do something on that theme, on that idea. And now having the hobby store as well as writing, I've got the benefit of being able to have my crazy ideas and sit down for a while and go, right, is this a book or is this a game? And for me, this was a game. This this was perfect for a role play game. And yeah, the Uncanny Valley phenomena, it works on the basis that the more human-like a, a robot is, the better we respond to it up until a certain point. And then it just becomes scary and a bit weird and a bit off-putting. And that's the valley. It's just a bit uncanny. It's just a bit not right. And that's that's what these androids are trying to avoid arousing suspicion and and freaking out the humans. And mm. yeah, so that's that's kind of where that comes from. That's really cool. Thank you for, for explaining. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I want to play this when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you come over to the UK all the time, we come and have a play test. There you go. I'll come down to Scarborough. Perfect. So. For our surprise question, uh, I have actually no idea what I asked the last time you were on here. So today's surprise question will be, what is the FLGS that stands out for you from your childhood? And it could be a place that you went to a little a little bit or the one that you went to all the time. Because I know for me, like, I don't really, I never really had one. Um, but like, I know exactly which store, like, when we get to my turn, I know exactly which store I'll mention. But it wasn't a place that, like, was uh, like a week in, week out kind of. Um, I think it was um, a little independent one that was actually here in Scarborough. I moved to Scarborough when I was about 11. Um, hadn't really gotten into gaming very much at that age prior. And when I was about 15, I found a little independent local game store right here in Scarborough called Space Myth and Magic. And they sold a little bit of everything. You could go in, you could play. It's where I discovered magic, uh, Warhammer, all that kind of stuff. And it was just always a really nice place to go and hang out. And I met lots of people. 
uh, one of the guys that worked there at the time is one of my best friends still today. Um, he comes into our store all the time now. Unfortunately, Space Myth closed years ago. But yeah, I, that's probably the one that sticks out in my head the most. Like it. Nice. Jeremy, you're, do you have one that stands out? Yeah, so I didn't really grow up going to gaming stores. I mostly grew up going to bookstores. I was a big fan of books. I didn't get into gaming until I was already an adult. So I kind of have a two-part answer. And both are in Britain. Uh, one is Gosh Comics, which I think used to be located... Both are in London, in fact. Uh, Gosh Comics used to be near the British Museum, but it has since moved to... I think it's actually not that far from, from Leicester Square in London. And that's a really nice comic shop. A lot of my favorite comics that I've ever read, I ended up buying there as like a kid slash teenager. And then when I finally did get into gaming, the first place where I spent a lot of time gaming that wasn't somebody's house was a store called Warbore, which I think is in Bexley Heath, also in Eastern London. I don't know if it's still open, but it was open a couple years ago. And so if you're in the UK, go, go give those places a shout out. Both are really nice little spots and very fun, very, very nice and helpful employees. So this is interesting because I literally don't remember the name because that's how long ago it's long ago it was and how long it's been closed. But there was a there was a comic book store and I think as a child it was the first time I had ever met someone large and tall as this person was that owned the store and they were just like the world's kindest person I've ever met like just an absolute gentle giant rarely spoke and so like I just loved going into the store with just a little bit of everything that was there because it you know at that point books are books they got paper you can buy them you know so D&D stuff was there comic book stuff was there and it was just like an awesome thing but in hindsight I realized he was very old so I think he just retired. I don't think it was like some big grandiose thing. And now every time I drive by, I'm always sad because that's not the building is identical and it's just not the comic book store. I remember from my youths. But yeah, that's that's the number one spot for me. And I, I think that's a perfect segue into the topic at hand. But before we jump more into that, we, we're going to ask very specific questions because Bex, as mentioned, you own an FLGS and we'll get into because I know the, how this conversation will go. We'll get into why you get to keep the F and some other stores, the F gets taken away. And I will personally, because <laughs> I will personally refer to them simply as LGSs because they don't, because we'll get into that, get into why that is. But can you tell us your origin story for your store? Yeah, sure. Um, so I met my partner, Darren, about two and a half years ago now. We met online, as everyone seems to do these days. And he was thoroughly miserable where he lived, thoroughly miserable in his job, hated every minute of it in a warehouse. He was it didn't like it. I'd been running cafes and social enterprises for about eight years prior, and I was ready for a change. And I said to him one day, well, what do you want to do? And he said, oh, I don't want you to think I'm a geek, but I used to quite like gaming. So something in that field. And I was like, right, you want to come and see my house? I've literally got Warhammer in every cupboard. There's goblins up here. There's like cards, books, everything. And we decided we were going to go for it um, and just take the plunge and set up a game store. And there was, um, it was just when everything was starting to open after the lockdowns we had over here for COVID. And there was a shop opposite my cafe at the time, other side of the road, directly opposite. And it had been like a secondhand store. And it had been closed for ages, even prior to COVID. And I rang the owner's mobile number off the sign. And he was, oh, hi, yeah, yeah. Have you seen something you want? I, I live really, really close. I can come and 
let you in if you've seen something. And I said, to be honest, mate, I want your shop. The whole thing. <laughs> and about three weeks later, we signed the lease. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love, you know, I did. I That's saw so cool. the whole thing. I want the whole thing. <laughs> How did they respond? Do you say that? <laughs> he was actually fine with it because he hadn't been open for ages. And he was kind of like wanting to close anyway, but was kind of stuck in the lease. So he was quite happy to have a word with the landlord and sign it over to us, basically. Oh, wow. Sounds like a perfect situation. Perfect timing just coming out of the pandemic and everything. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was still a little risky. We didn't know exactly where things were going to go. But yeah, you, I, I don't think you get anywhere in life if you don't take a risk, do you? And Very it true. just felt like it was meant to be. Me and Darren had met. It was something we both really wanted to do. The opportunity was there. The perfect premises was there. Well, hell, just go for it. <laughs> yeah. Can you can you share maybe one of your favorite moments or, or funny stories from like a past event that you've had at the gaming store since opening it? Um, I, we do loads of different events. We do. We often do like weekend events and stuff. Yeah, I looked at um, the website. Y'all are what? packed. You think you have things going on all the time. In fact, congratulations. I, I guess happy anniversary. You just had your second anniversary as a store last year. We month. have. Yeah. I know. It's honestly, it's gone so quick. Two years has gone so quick. It's crazy. We've loved every minute. I know it's such a cliche, but when people say, if you do what you love, you never work a day. It's absolutely true. We get up in the morning going, yes, we get to go to the shop today. And it's just brilliant. It, it's just such a lovely feeling. We get to play games all day. And, and yeah, it's great. But yeah, one of the funniest things probably was when we first opened and Darren was getting ever so slightly carried away, as you do when you've got a game store and all of a sudden you've got all these trade accounts with all these wonderful companies. And I'm there and I'm unpacking all the first deliveries of the stock, getting ready to open. And I'm like, babe, what's this? This isn't something we were going to sell. This range isn't something we agreed on. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's just for me. That's why I just put that to one side. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, we had to break that habit. We both got a bit guilty of that, to be fair. But <laughs> it's, it, it's, hard not to, it. it's hard not to because even uh, I have a friend who works at the, the closest distributor for gaming. And we were in the store one time. He was like, well, yeah, I mean, if you see something – He's like, just text me and I can see if we have it on hand and I just buy it. And I was like, oh, okay. And in my head, I processed <laughs> like, oh, it would be X amount percent off. And it was twice that. And I was like, oh, no, that's a problem. I don't know that we can be friends because this is going to be a problem for me now that we've unlocked this code. I don't think we should communicate anymore. It's nothing against you, um, but this will be a just very, too much of an enabling. Oh, friendship. very much so. It was it was bad, um, and I immediately. It's not you. It's your discount. Yes, I'm sorry. I just can't. I just can't. Um, so I know. So I can ask leading questions very much so because we've had a bit of this discussion before. Um, but the one that really stands out to me is kind of like the Halloween themed and we're, we're we're coming right into it the halloween themed event that you've had previously can you tell us a little bit about that one and honestly kind of what do you have planned for this year oh so the one we did previously that would have been the um cthulhu one shot that i ran and it was kind of like a combined halloween slash christmas one because it was um uh, to do with krampus oh yes yeah. nice. um, and that it was just you know once Every 10,000 years or so, when the, all the planets align and everything's just perfect, and you have 
a role play session where it is just on point the entire way through. Mm-hmm. You're doing a great job. Your players are immersed. Everyone's just feeling it. All the props and all the effects you've set up, because I do go a bit over the top. Everything just falls into place. And it's just, it was just epic. It was the best session that I think I've ever run. And I'm really wow. looking forward to this Halloween because, yeah, I'm doing another one. I think I'm running it like three times now because we've had so many people trying to book to do it. So I think Whoa. I'm going to have to do three separate run-throughs of it. I don't tend to run ongoing campaigns because I am really, really over the top as a GM. I have props and effects and things going in. It's half live action. It's half tabletop. I'm I'm really <laughs> like over wow. the top. I wouldn't sustain it for a campaign. It'd be crazy. But I do like doing my like special one shots i love doing that yeah so yeah i'm really excited that's awesome one well, and that's also been the self-awareness is is great as being a dm because i am of the mind that i am i am by no means the dm for everyone but the people i am for i'm for them and i will possibly run them the best session they've ever had but i am not for everyone in the same sense that i've noticed a lot looking more into online play that there are people that only want to play one shots they do not want anything to do with campaigns in the same way people that want campaigns often don't want that one shot experience um so yeah having both of those there all these words are also to say like these are the kind of things to think about when going to your flgs to see like what they have available and if something doesn't fit for you it's not because it's not it could just be that it's not for you not necessarily that it's air quote bad um, but yeah, being being aware of like what you as a player and what you as a DM want to go towards and then looking for the more looking more specifically for those things. But yeah, Cthulhu Krampus. Yeah. I'm terrible at drawing, but I really wish someone would go ahead and do that for 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 me to look at, please. That sounds like such a cool idea for like everything. The, the idea for the session, as well as just imagining all the different props, and I imagine lighting effects and and uh, maybe mm-hmm. costumes and whatnot. <laughs> like I wish I could have played in this. This sounds great. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be brilliant. the the one for this year is gonna be so cool. It's gonna have real tension building. It's basically a game within a game within a game. Ooh. So the characters, and I know none of them will hear this, so it's fine. So the characters that have been invited to this mysterious gentleman's parlor for an evening of gaming, and then they become the playing pieces. And they have to defeat a certain amount of games within the game within a certain time frame to survive. And each one of them is going to have a lit candle in front of them. That's their life. If that candle goes out, they've lost their life in the game. And if all the characters lose their lives, then they've lost and they never leave. They become this guy's playing pieces in his eternal games. So there's going to be that real feeling of tension when one of them fails a game and they have to blow out the candle. That's going to be the only light in the room. Oh, it's got oh, some so candle yeah. elements. Yeah. It's going to be really Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's really, really cool. I'm really looking forward to running this one. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And I, I feel like I'm going to end up, uh, I feel like I'm in my, I, my certain character arc as a person where like I'm really a huge <laughs> proponent of figuring out other things to pull uh, other games mm-hmm. into D&D um, because I recently, like literally the last podcast episode, I bring up the point where I feel like D&D is so large that they are going to be much more conservative in the things that they try 
Rightfully so. You are a company with enough people. You're an Amazon bestseller. The lengths that you can go when you try something out are just shorter because you have a lot more people, be it their jobs, be it investors, be it all these things that you're going to need to keep up with. So like the leaps that they're willing to take are going to be smaller. And like I said, totally understandable. So then I go look at other games where it's like you're add, layering in the elements of 10 candles into something else. Do I layer in the Jenga tower from dread while they're doing so, like solving a puzzle inside of your D and D game? Am I adding a different dice system? Because I think it works a little better for the specific campaign that I'm running. Um, so like these, like I'm a big, big proponent these days of finding the pieces, I guess, pirating um, in the, <laughs> in the TTRPG pirates, um, taking things from other games and layering them in to like really make the session or the campaign exactly what you're wanting it to be. I'm right there with you, Neil. Uh, I think that looking at like playing games, for example, that have graded successes versus Dungeons and Dragons, which a lot of the way that a lot of people play it is just pass fail. For example, I think the purest way that most people tend to play it is like you succeed on the roll or you fail the roll. Uh, whereas when you have like a partial success, partial failure, full success, complete failure, or like a critical success, not that you'd necessarily include natural 20s as full critical successes, but the idea of like, oh, you rolled 10 above what the difficulty, like what the DC was. I think doing that even with Dungeons and Dragons or any other games can be really, can really add a lot. Like the, you know, uh, the core game itself is already great, but yeah, doing extra stuff can actually enhance the the experience for everybody, I find. Have you found a similar thing, Bex, in running different games? Yeah, I, I'm, I like mixing and matching different things. When I'm running games, when I'm creating my own games, I, I try to always think well, what have I enjoyed in a game and how can I piece those elements together in a way to create something that feels familiar but is actually new yeah and that's that's kind of what I like to do with yeah but I definitely take inspiration from all kinds of of other things that I've played or or run in the past definitely yeah yeah, I'm, I'm curious then, how, since we're talking about all the different games, how do you, what are the criteria that you use to decide which games or accessories, which miniatures to stock in the store? Um, a couple of ways, really. We spend quite a lot of time researching games. We watch a lot of YouTube videos and launch videos and, and like previews and things. And we take our time to really look into things. We, we choose games that we ourselves are passionate about because you can't sell something to someone else if you don't believe in it yourself Mm -hmm. we we want to offer great value and we want to offer good products to people we don't just want to put stuff on the shelf and send people out with it to get home and be like oh well now what so we we put things on the shelves that we believe in that we know a good value and that we already or have built or intend to build a player base for within our store so people can come back and they can get involved in that game and they can meet other players and they can actually use the products they have bought. And we listen to our customers. People have been going crazy for Battletech in our store recently. So we've set up an account with Asmodee so we can we, we now stock Battletech because that's what people wanted. We recently got Magic the Gathering in because that's what people were asking us for. So we listen to what, what the players, what the local gaming community want and we do our best to accommodate that. Credit words do, because this is the second time that we've had this conversation. The last time we had this conversation, you were not at the point at which you could sell Battletech. But being 
the well-deserving F in FLGS, you were having them still show up <laughs> and play Battletech because that's what the community wanted. Having open play space for them to play the game in spite of the fact that you couldn't sell it. But then also thinking of that next layer of, yeah, but those are still miniatures. They still need paint. They still need basing. They still need yep. terrain. They still need everything else that a normal miniature range would have. So I will provide that space in those other things. And then obviously working towards and then succeeding on then also being able to sell Battletech. Because at that point, why would they want to buy Battletech anywhere else than the place that said, yeah, come down and play? Mm -hmm. Please, you're like, here's a, here's a play space for you to accommodate the thing that you are clearly passionate about. Um, and then, like I said, now it's now it's available for them to purchase in your store. Yeah, and it, it builds that customer loyalty. You know, if they know that you're going to accommodate them and you want them there, we've got space to play. Come and play. You know, we don't mind what you're playing. Whether we sell it or not, it's what the space is for. We've got the terrain boards. We've got all the scenery. And we don't charge people to use that. Come in and play. Make the shop look busy. You know, it's great. <laughs> Helps with the social media posts. Man. <laughs> but, you know, exactly. It looks great on the photos. <laughs> but you can learn a lot through customers doing that anyway, because we don't know everything about, you know, what's out there. And we find new games through people that are coming in. Mm. So it's a win-win situation. You can benefit each other and work together. And really, I mean, Scarborough, we're lucky. It's always had a really, really strong gaming community here. You know, it's a privilege that we can be a kind of a hub for that now. So we, we do the best we can. Yeah. What is uh, what's an example of a game that you all have that you uh, have been introduced to by some of your clients that you've particularly enjoyed? OK, Burrows and Badges. I'd never heard of that before. Um, it's a badges. really tiny Burrows and Badges. It's like, yeah. And you have little armies of like little cats and bats and badgers and foxes and birds and stuff. And they're really, really cute. And I'd never heard of that before until some of our customers came in and, and showed us it. And it's just gorgeous. Holy cow. Um, it's a really, really small company. It's like a family business that and they they cast their own minis and everything. I can't remember exactly where it is, but it's it's only two or three hours away from where we are. But they don't sell directly to trade, sadly. So we can't actually stock it. But it is the cutest game. Yeah. And it's absolutely lovely. It looks a lot like Redwall. Like, like looking at the website, it looks a lot like the Redwall series. I don't know if, you've, if you're familiar with this, this series of ch uh, children's books. But it looks a lot like that. But it's oh my gorgeous minis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're beautiful. Yeah. You, uh, on the call, you can definitely see eyes have <laughs> gone away from the, the screen that Zoom is on. Because I'm definitely looking at the minis as well. Yeah. Oh, and there is another one. Um, oh, what's it called? Turnip 28, I think it was called. Oh, yeah. Turnip 28. Uh, tabletop miniatures game. Uh, oh, it's British. <laughs> okay. The 13th Royal Horseradish, formerly a cavalry regiment, they brought shame to their name by eating their own mounts to save themselves from starvation. Now they must walk through cold mud, haunted on every step by the specter of their disgrace. The ghost, the horseradish spirit, the spectral root is a manifestation of the regiment's shame. This is wild. It's this sounds cool. It's literally like <laughs> taking the idea of horse and radish and being like, oh, well, then horseradish, obviously. It was yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So I've discovered these gems. Yeah, I have strange customer base, but <laughs> well, I mean the th the thing of it is, and like it's so key, and I think it's it's key to the approach that anyone should take, kind of entering this space is that 
kind of have to respect the idea that there are so much you don't know. There's so much you will never know. That's a better way to say that is that there are so much you will never know because this these games that you've shown could be the lifeblood of someone's TTRPG experience. Like this is the game that they learned on. This is the game that they play. This is the game that they have the best memories that they have. This is the game that could have had them meet their partner that they live the rest of their life with. And you, clearly a lot of people will not know about Turn of 28. Thousands and thousands more will because we are saying it now. And there will be a link in the show notes because you have to see these minis. I don't know. Yeah. Like these minis are amazing. Um, so yeah. definitely check, check this out. But the idea that like always having that approach that there's something more to learn. I mean, it's a bit a lot of this DM advice ends up being like there are really small changes to the things that get said from hosts and guests and everyone alike that they are life applicable, not just D&D or TTRPG applicable. But the idea that there's always something new to learn, especially when you go into a space that has so, so many options. Yeah, that's Burrows and Badgers and Turnip 28. You can play as an anthropomorphic animal or an anthropomorphic vegetable. <laughs> it's wild. So, so. Oh, and there's Battle Cattle as well. Battle Cattle. Oh. Battle Cattle. Oh. Okay. Hold up. I used to play Battle Cattle back in the 90s. I'm, I'm bringing it back. I'm resurrecting it. We've got a sign-up sheet at the shop. For people to join a little um, in-store battle cattle league because it's just the best. Whoa! Battle with cows. I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) Whoa! Even the cover (laughs) of this like Terminator (laughs) half like cow half cow and like yeah, you have Terminator cow and then like John Connor cow on the other side, like happy living the life cow. You literally get little cow minis. You get a cow mini. And you basically oh, bits yeah. box it. So you, you, you have a certain amount you can spend on weaponizing your cow. Whoa. And you can use your bits box guns and, and weapons and stuff to, to, you know, to count as the things you're putting on. It's just the most ridiculous, wonderful game ever. And I love it. Okay, so I'm looking at some of this art. And it just screams to me a cartoon that came out in like the mid-90s that only got one season, <laughs> rightfully so. Um, that like, you know, some kids watched and they loved it. But then everyone's like, what? Battle Cattle? And you're just like, whoa. And then um, showing them this cartoon again. Um, you know what? This is a perfect segue because we are on such a high note that I am going to immediately bring us down to a lower note. Because as I mentioned <laughs> earlier on, that a lot of stores don't necessarily do a good job at earning the F in FLGS. Um, and they are not friendly. And I say that with two people on the call who have different reasons as to why a store would possibly make you not feel welcomed. Um, and mm. I also say that as being someone who is historically every I check every box as to why I, you know, in theory would feel welcome and have also gone to so many stores and not felt welcome. Um, so I can only imagine the experience that other people have if I am walking into a store fitting the like, absolute stereotypical mold of those stores and still walking away having a negative experience um, to a varying degree, either a really poor customer service. Um, but there have ever there have also been times where I have felt I have just felt othered, like like I didn't belong, and I'm just like I okay, I will give you my money and I will never come back because of this experience. I don't know what my big segue is, but other than the idea that like have you both had experiences in going to game stores where it has been less than ideal. Because I'll start I'll start and also say I have no idea that I have no doubt that 
people go into your store backs and do not feel this way based on the way that you talk about things just just your core ethics behind the choices you're making i know you're there to one have absolutely great time and two to try and ensure that (laughs) everyone else that walks through that door has the best time that they can but yeah so i will throw the question out there have you both had negative experiences going into game stores uh yeah um i i have and it's such a shame because for me gaming has always been such a positive additions to my life it's always it's always been a really you know a a comfortable place for me to be but yeah there have been a few occasions like you walk into to a a place that you don't know anyone in there it's some way maybe you've gone on a day out somewhere and it's it's somewhere you're not familiar with and everyone in the shop turns and stares like that scene in American Werewolf in London where they walk into the pub and it Mm -hmm. and it's all it's a local pub you know everyone turns around and stares and no one says anything and you just kind of stood there and you're just kind of floating and it's really uncomfortable. I've had one store I went into and I spent quite a bit of money on on hobby stuff for myself. The next time I went in, I was immediately greeted with, oh, you're back. How much are you spending today? Ooh. Which I just thought was so awful. Weird. Um, yeah. And, and when I was younger, it's not so much now that I'm in my 40s, but when I was younger, like in my teen, teens and 20s, I don't remember seeing so many other women players. There weren't any other girls, really. So that was always a bit of a... And even now at the shop, we sometimes get customers come in and they'll ask a question. And if Darren doesn't know the answer, he'll defer it to me and I'll be answering the customer and the customer will still be looking at Darren. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not a ventriloquist dummy, you know. So there is sometimes it does. It's not anywhere near as bad as it was. But, yeah, it, I have had times where I felt a bit uncomfortable, a bit out of place. A bit like I'm not one of the gang. Mm, yeah, I I can I can relate mostly in what I've seen people say because I didn't grow up as much. I grew up as a nerdy person with nerdy interests, but I wasn't really surrounded by a lot of other nerds and didn't get to really go to like nerdy stores for most of my youth. I'm. It's mostly in stuff that I've seen. It's like in attitudes that I've seen displayed or what you're describing when especially like men around women in those circles. I've definitely witnessed that, Bex. Like when I uh, when I went to college, there was a club that I joined, mostly really, really nice people. But definitely whenever I would bring a female friend of mine in there, it felt like we had entered a tide pool and all of the animals like <laughs> hid and then like would peek out and stare. And like the longer you were there, they would just sort of creep back out and try and acclimate to your presence. And it was like whenever there was uh, whenever there was a woman there, people would be like, <gasps> and it would just like, you know, it was like, oh, my goodness. And then just sort of like gradually creep in. And I would I would always feel really bad. <laughs> yeah. And I, the one I can think of is and you brought it up the same thing back where it's like. I've walked into a retail establishment. At least one of you works here. Like, that's not a question. That's a statement. One of you is a, a staff member of this location, and you are not taking the initiative to engage with me. Because that's what happened. We walked in, and I assume it was it was me and a couple buddies who, I, I don't know if we didn't look 
nerdy enough or whatever it may have been. Um, but yeah, I walked in and everyone just stared at us. And then it was just silent for a long while. And like I said, I'm like, yep. the door was open. One of you has to work here. That's that's the agreement to a retail establishment. Um, but I have that with my, my local my local store now is that it's creating the divide between friends and the business relationship because um, oftentimes that's what's happening at the local stores. All of their friends are there and they are still playing with their friends, but then no one is staffing the place and so my mom has even mentioned the idea that like it's been difficult at times for her to even get a gift card for me because she's like that's the surefire present for me is just buy a gift card for there that way i can go and i'll spend it and it's like it's really interesting when you go to a place where you're like i'm doing the lion's share of work to give you my money especially when i could stand right here and i'm three clicks away from buying it on amazon so i'm a little bit confused as to what this relationship now is when i'm physically standing in your store i mean it's one thing if i'm sitting at home and i choose to do that that's different that's not a lot that the store can do in that specific regard but if i'm physically in your store and you're basically forcing me to buy online then what what are we doing but yeah so that's that's also to say that like as a patron of a store, always keep in mind that just in the same way that every D&D table is not going to be for you, every local game store is not going to be from you. And those there and that statement is both neutral and negative. Um, there can be a, a neutral reason as to why that store is not for you, because they focus on the games that you're not currently interested in. And then there are also the negative reasons and those you need to be extremely mindful of um, as well. But um, it could be it could be also a pure neutrality because you go into a store where it's like, oh, this is only Warhammer. (laughs) And that's that's Mm -hmm. currently not what I play. So then maybe this isn't the store for me. Um, But kind of getting into that, what do you feel are some like misunderstandings that people have when going into a store? So, um. People think they're too old to start playing. People think their kids are too young to get them involved in playing. People think it's all too competitive and they're not going to, they don't want that like intense competitive experience. People think it's going to be too expensive and people think it's going to be really clicky. We have the opposite problem in our shop of the one you just described where you walk into a store and you don't know who works there. You walk into our shop on any given day, you'd think everyone works there. Because the minute someone's in the door, everyone's like, ah, you're all right. (laughs) You know, we really do try. Everyone's just so lovely. And we really do try to keep the atmosphere just really friendly and welcoming. We have sign-up sheets on the wall for games that we're running, that other customers are running. So we have lots and lots of things that we offer regularly, cycle through, doing like newbie games for people that want to get involved. You know, it's not clicky. You can, you know, we, we're looking at starting a youth club, like an after school oh, club nice. once a week for the kids to get them involved. So like one week we do like a one shot, one week I do a paint lesson, one week we get the board games out, you know, introduce them to all the aspects. I love it when parents come in with the young kids. I will sit with your child and I will show them how to play a game while mum and dad have a look around the store. You are never too young, never too young to start playing. And it's great if you get your kids involved in like miniature gaming at a young age, you don't have to worry when they hit their teens. They're not going to have any money to go out getting in trouble with. It's all going to be spent (laughs) on the minis. 
And as for being too old, we have customers in their 70s who come in actively gaming every week. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, it's it's brilliant. Yeah, it really, really is. And it doesn't have to be expensive. We always show people the cheap option mm. um, and the, the easy option to get involved with the game. We show people games such as Frostgrave and things like that that are figure agnostic. You can use your existing figures and play this game. You don't have to go out and buy a whole load of new stuff. So we we try to break down those those popular misconceptions as best we can. That sounds awesome. Well, and I think you bring up a good point. It's like with historically people feeling like they've been othered for whatever reason it is that it it makes perfect sense that they're that the hesitation is that I'm going to I'm going to do that to myself before I've even walked through the door because I've heard the stories I've seen it happen to other people so then I'm going to assume those things will happen to me um, where it sounds like just going into cheers uh, when you go to yours and everyone knows your name <laughs> and just shouts there <laughs> they all like just, Norm! Like, yeah, as soon like as you the sushi in. restaurant I go to, the guy, everyone that walks through the door, he's like, ah! Oh. <laughs> it really is. Everyone's got their coffee mugs with their names on the bottom hanging yeah. on the wall. It's great. Well, yeah, so it's I, wonderful. I started doing that at the gym, at the gym that I work out because it's it's class based. So you're there, like basically between classes, no one is there, and then everyone starts showing up for the next class. And I do, I started doing that because why not? I'm excited that you're here, just as much as you're. I mean, marginally excited that you're here, but I'm glad you showed up to work out. Um, so yeah, I started doing the same thing. Just greet everybody like you're just super stoked to see him. I think it was Neil deGrasse Tyson. He was like, yeah, I just anymore to be a better human. I just look at how dogs look at us and I try and look at other mm. people. He said, because if you're gone for a day for that dog, that was a week's worth of their life. You could go check the mail and that dog is stoked that you came back inside. And he said, yeah, I just started approaching <laughs> With, you know, every interaction with that same sense, sense of urgency and excitement um, when, when seeing other people. It sounds like you've done such a great job of cultivating a really welcoming, positive and fun environment. Like it's the kind of environment that that fosters new people, like people falling in love with games for the first time or developing uh, relation like f potentially lifelong friendships, you know, interests, uh, creative stimulation, all sorts of different things. Like it sounds like a, just a wonderful time. Uh, we love it. I mean, we've made so many personal friends, new friends from people we met as customers in these last two years. It's it's just been so lovely. It really, really has. And yeah, it's 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 the best job in the world. Anyone who wants to set up a game store, do it. Cause it's it's brilliant. It's lovely. You've got something in common with everyone that walks through that door. Mm. Instantly, you've got that icebreaker. And it, yeah, it is. It's lovely. And if you don't sell what they're into, you tell them what else they might like and show them some other stuff that they might like based on the genre or the style of game or whatever. And um, yeah, we crack out the board games at the back and get them a coffee. <laughs> we we teach people games. I teach people how to paint. And it's yeah, it's lovely. It's it's so lovely. We all played our first game once, didn't we? Mm -hmm. So there's no reason to feel awkward or embarrassed about walking in and not knowing anything because we all walked in not knowing anything at one point. So yeah. 
That's awesome. So we have our homework section. And as with the previous time that this was recorded, that's a difficult thing to ask because it, typically it's saying like, oh, go read this or watch this movie or do these things. And you could certainly probably find pieces of media that look towards stores, but often those are over-exaggerated. And I don't know how much you could garner from that. So like one of my big things is go to another store. If it's, if it's a store locally, if it's while you're traveling, try and find one. Because um, I think one of the big things is experiencing more stores is a really big benefit um, to this process of a better understanding what you want out of a store. Um, and then secondarily, and this is a difficult one, so at your own risk, think about the ways that you could ask for more from your store. Um, is it an event that you're really passionate about? Like the example is the Battletech example. That's perfect. There are people walking through this door that they really want to play Battletech. This in the store does not sell it, but there is still an open play space to say, hey, would it be okay if we took over these Warhammer tables on your off night so that we could play Battletech? Is it? And so again, going to more stores and finding out ways that you can make the store that you do go to a little bit better and a more welcoming place. Boom. That, but we have an even more important question and a much more important thing to do. I already have them in the show notes because we've done this once before. But can you tell people where to go to find all the things that you're doing? <laughs> um, yeah, so I actually wrote a board game that was published and manufactured locally here in Scarborough by a gorgeous little company called Fights and Fantasy. Um, and the board game is called Body Snatchers. It's just a fun little map building thing where you play skeletons running around a village trying to collect all your body parts back together so the necromancer can make you whole again and you can nick each other's arms and legs and stuff. It's all just <laughs> daft and fun. But Fights and Fantasy, a lovely company. They make some gorgeous, like, really, really beautiful little companion products for, like, um, D&D and things like that. It's really, really lovely what they do. They're definitely worth checking out. And then obviously we've got a Facebook page. We are Roll It Scarborough. And we do have an incredibly bad website because I made it and I'm awful at stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, again, you can find that just Roll It Scarborough. I promise I'm going to make it look better. I will, I will, I will. But it, it is quite shocking at the minute. <laughs> I would um, describe it as quaint. <laughs> it's a, I would say it is a it's cute quite, website yeah, currently. Quaint, yeah. Yeah, it is quaint. <laughs> it, it, it carries with it the quaintness of a small, uh, a smaller seaside town, just like the one that it is found in. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. completely on yeah. brand. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going for. You see, there we are. That's <laughs> perfect. Well, and then also I would be remiss. Jeremy, where can people go to, to hear all of the, I mean, um, if we have time, uh, for you to talk about it, uh, where can people go to hear your dulcet tones other places? Uh, okay, I've gotten it down to closer to a science now. So I'm on Three Black Halflings, which is a TTRPG podcast. Uh, we talk about diversity, inclusivity, etc. Uh, we in, in just general nerdery as well. We also do actual play stuff. We got some really fun things planned for later this year. Uh, go check us out wherever pods are cast. I'm on a uh, sci-fi movie review podcast called The Quantum Reactor that I do with my friend Andrew Coons, which is also uh, can be found uh, wherever pods are cast. And I also, uh, if you want to hear me playing a game, I'm in, I'm in an, actually Call of Cthulhu, coincidentally enough, uh, for, with Roll For It on twitch.tv slash Roll For It uh, called Project Marana. I play Nate. He's a sad man. He's just a sad hockey coach man. 
whose life is only getting worse. Uh, so if you want to see me go be a sad man in a scary world, uh, go check that out. And finally, if you want to play a game with me, uh, I'm going to be uh, DMing for D3 at Sea later this year, this fall. Uh, so go to d3atsea.com and you can sign up to play with me on a cruise ship over the course of several days. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we're going to be playing in the, the Utarum setting that I made for the 3BH show Outlaws and Obelisks. So absolutely go sign up and, and come play. It's going to be a blast. Do it. As someone who has been a pro DM on a cruise himself, it is a ton of fun. But don't worry, everyone. It can also be a terrible experience. Please know whether or not you've been on a cruise and get sick. I'm just throwing that out there. It's something to keep in mind before you go. Get all the things, the bracelets, the medicine. Don't let that be the reason your trip isn't fun. There you go. <laughs> yes, come prepared. Come prepared. You will be on a ship. Yeah, the whole time. That's that's the point. Uh, but, but yes, Bex, thanks again for coming on and uh, sharing some time with us. No, thank you. It's been fun. As always, we want to thank Bex again for sharing some time with us, and I cannot thank her enough for being so uh, open and accommodating to the fact that my audio was sounded like I was an ancient speaking spell on its way out from this world. My local audio, my backup audio, all unusable. Um, but if you want to tell us about hopefully an amazing gaming store that you go to, you can always email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. Uh, certainly, if you want a cathartic method for talking about the game store that you did not enjoy, you can also email us there. And head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It really helps the show, uh, boosts the profile, and gives other people an idea of what to expect. Uh, the sheer awesomeness that their ears are about to be exposed to uh, when they click on DM block. And also, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, we've been posting very regularly now. We fired up the Twitter in a in a in a in a big way, uh, like almost daily posts. So hop over there, uh, participate, share, check out the cool art that we've been sharing, and of course, like us on Facebook as well. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at DMs underscore block. Perfect. And as always, the the nope nope. God dang, every time I mess it up, I want to say the Block Party Network is a proud member of the Dungeon Masters Block. <laughs> That's not true, because as always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out other shows like Detentions and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, who are starting their second campaign, so a perfect time to jump in, uh, and more. But as always, we want to thank you for listening to the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. The only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of everyone else at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night and good luck. And I'm DM Jeremy. Keep on dungeon mastering. It's not inspiration, it's not wisdom, and it's bad advice. Yeah, I mean, if you don't like what's happening at your local gaming store, just go in and tell the owner how they could do it differently. Yes, and make sure that you flip as many tables as you can on the way to visiting uh, the, the owner, just so they know that you mean business. Especially ones with terrain. Yeah, oh, smash the terrain, smash the terrain.
Goodbye.